doctors work very hard to increase their revenue, to make happy patients, to get positive reviews, um, to do good marketing, to have a great website, to treat people properly. Mm -hmm. I mean, those, those all take a lot of effort. And I, I really hate to see that effort wasted because money is flying out the back door through embezzlement. This is Growth in Dentistry, a dental intelligence podcast where we ask the question, what does growth in dentistry look like to you? I'm Katie Polson, a dental hygienist and your host. Welcome to another episode of Growth in Dentistry. I'm Katie Polson, and today we are starting a new series this month. We're talking about, well, in the beginning of September, this possible that you might notice some downtime. This recording is going live in, in September, so hopefully not. Hopefully you're avoiding the September slump, or what we lovingly call September, but if you are, um, I thought that we would, um, one of the things that came to my mind, and we'll talk about it um, in the next couple episodes is beefing up your security in your practice. Because if you've got some downtime, what better way, what better time to then think about the things that maybe you have been putting on the back burner. Uh, so for, so today um, I've got a really exciting guest. He did a CE core on-demand CE course that we'll introduce you to a little bit later, but before we get started, for those of you that are first-time listeners, thank you for tuning into our show. This is a a podcast that the goal is to give you 30 minutes of actionable advice on your way to drive or to or from work. And we're grateful that you're listening today. Um, if you are, Facebook is the place that you like to hang out. There's a dental intelligence podcast community that we love to um, have, have you join if you are a data nerd or a dentist nerd or either or neither or all of them. <laughs> Um, and then if you are an active listener, if you would go and rate and review this podcast, we would love to be able to hear from you. And, and if you're not a current customer and want to be one with dental intelligence, we have an offer for the listeners to our show. If you go to get.dentalintel.com forward slash podcast, you will get $50 when you complete a demo. And that link will be in our show notes. So with all of that housekeeping set aside, I want to introduce to you David Harris. He is, I'm just, I, he, we did the CE and I was blown away. And then we were talking about security. And I was like, ah, we should just have him on for a 30 minute, like small digest. So welcome to the show. Good to be with you, Katie. Yes. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up in dentistry and also security and embezzlement. It's a really weird combo. I mean, I thought my weird, my combo with dental hygiene and communication was weird, but I think yours is, yours is a little bit more weird than mine. <laughs> no, I think, I think hygienists are natural communicators. Uh, that's you're true. Just, you're but, just kind of taking it one step further, yeah, right? I mean, yeah. uh, in, in, instead of a captive audience uh, reclined with their mouths open, you've got, uh, yeah. you've got a that's whole bunch true. of that's so dental true. intel listeners. <laughs> That's true. Uh -oh. I hope, hopefully I'm captivating them, not because they're stuck in the chair now, but we'll see. <laughs> That's yeah. Like... The, the, the difference is now they want to listen to you. Or they can turn um, me off. <laughs> That's all the above. So uh, I'm, I'm the CEO of a company called Prosperident and Prosperident has 25 people or so. And we basically do one thing. We work with dentists to protect them against embezzlement. Mm. And by embezzlement, I mean staff typically, but it could be somebody else uh, stealing from the doctor. And how did I get here? I'd, I'd like to tell you that I had this master plan and I followed it. Uh, <laughs> that, 
the real the real story is a little bit different. Um, I, I've spent most of my life in investigation, um, but it actually started as a as a bit of a rotten apple in my teens. Mm. Um, got uh, got the early eviction from high school and uh, ended up joining the army because it sounded much better than my other choice, which was jail, and um, kind of flourished there and uh, and ended up with a with a decent education that the taxpayer paid for. And when my army time was done, I went to work for a bank. I lasted a couple of years and I got very frustrated and I quit. And then we're going back a little ways now. In 1989, I was sitting at home watching TV, um, actually just about this time of year. And um, my phone rang and it was a guy who had been in high school with me for my very short visit there, who was now a dentist. And he said to me, I think my front desk person's stealing and I don't have anyone else to call. Oh my goodness. And this guy caught me at the exact right moment. I was bored silly and mm -hmm. trying not to think about the future. So I said to him, sure, mm -hmm. I'll, uh, I'll come over to your practice tonight after you close and we'll sort out what's going on. So I went, went to his practice. Now this Katie was before practice was computerized. So it was the old pegboard system that was kind of the the antecedent of practice management software. Yeah. <laughs> and it was pretty easy to see what she was doing. And within a couple of hours, I had a pretty good picture. And I filled my friend in and he thanked me. And he asked me if I'd come back the next morning to help him fire this woman because he didn't want to mm. face that one on his own. And I said, sure, because I knew I'd be as bored tomorrow as I was today. And so I came back to the practice. I helped him fire her. Uh, my friend promised to buy me dinner that hasn't happened yet, but <laughs> you know, who, who remembers stuff like that? <laughs> and I, I kind of walked away thinking, well, that was interesting, but I, I didn't really see a career for myself. Well, two weeks later, lightning struck. And what happened was I had an appointment at my own dentist office for a filling. And imagine for a second, what went through my mind. I had my hand on the front door and I was about to go in. And I looked through the glass panel in the door and sitting at his front desk was the same woman I helped fire two weeks before. Oh, my goodness. Um, what I said was a little bit less polite than that. <laughs> and I, I sprinted to a payphone because in those days, the yeah. cell phone was like the size of a briefcase. Mm -hmm. uh, called the practice, used a little bit of trickery to get put through to the doctor and told him about the, the time bomb ticking away at his front desk. And he hired me. Oh, my that goodness. Was, that was my first paying client. Oh, and my gosh. And now, but, uh, 33 years later, we're, we're a lot bigger. We're a lot more advanced in what we do. But um, we still get the same kind of rush when we see what's going on and we put one of these people in jail. I can tell you that this morning I signed off because all of the all of our reports go through me before they go out to the client. Mm. And I signed off on one this morning for an embezzlement of $527,000. Oh my gosh. Um, oh, which, that is so much money. Yeah, It is so much money. And it won't be the only one I signed this year, probably in, that exceeds half a million dollars. Oh. oh man. Well, that is such an interesting story. I love, I love how you, got into it and almost in gratitude for that lady who got another job at your dental office. What would have happened had that not happened? I mean, really, that's it. That's who would have known. 
who would know? Who yeah. knows? I'm, I, yeah. I might have been the greeter at Walmart. Yeah. Well, we're grateful if, that. If, if only I had a little more personality. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, that that's such a crazy story. So when, when we when I listened in on your CE and also and you, you got into a little bit about how embezzlement kind of shows up in the practice and just I think it'd be interesting for our listeners in a, in a condensed version to know kind of like, what does it even look like in a dental practice? How, how does, how, how has it been displayed in your years of, of looking for it? Um, it kind of shows up in two places. And one of them is some kind of financial anomaly. And what, one of the classics, but certainly isn't the case in every embezzlement is that the amount of money that practice management software says was collected uh, is greater than the amount of money that was deposited into the bank. Mm. Uh, so, you know, the basic, one of the purposes of practice management software is to track collection. And if your practice collected $40,000 today, then really $40,000 should go into the bank. Not necessarily all today, because there's some Delay. money that has, that has a timing difference. Exactly. Mm -hmm. If somebody pays by credit card, then there's, there's a couple of day lag, for example. Right. But the, the basic principle is that. Um, so a lot of thieves, if they, uh, particularly if they think the doctor's not, not watching that will steal by simply posting payments in software that never get deposited. Hmm. Um, so that, that's a classic. Now that isn't always the case because if, if I'm a thief and I think that my doctor is watching that, then I have to go at it a little bit differently. And typically my challenge then is how do I make the software lie about how much money came in? Hmm. And I'm not going to get into details here. Yeah, but we don't want to um, give anybody ideas. <laughs> yeah, we're not we're not here to teach these how to do it. Yeah, um, but it's not that hard to do in in any practice management software. I mean, all all software can be tricked to over report collections. So mm. it it creates anomalous transactions. Whether or not those would be noticed in a practice is a good question. And thieves are pretty good at at, at finding ways to um, make deceptive transactions that don't really become conspicuous. So one, one way to find it is to see some kind of financial irregularity. Mm -hmm. The other way is that most thieves act like thieves. Mm -hmm. And acting like thieves can take a lot of forms, but um, it can be, for example, a desire to be alone in the practice. Most thieves want to be by themselves when they're doing their stealing, partly because <laughs> um, they don't want to be observed and partly because... It, it takes concentration to steal. I mean, you have to do a series of, of things properly. And if you do them out of sequence or you forget a step, then you, you, you get blown. So these people will come in early or they'll stay after work after everybody's gone home or they'll kind of slide into the practice on a Saturday maybe. And, you know, they may, they may even tell the doctor that they're going. And, and a lot of doctors will um, confuse working against them with working for them mm -hmm. because superficially those two things look pretty similar yeah um another characteristic of thieves is that they tend to be very territorial so they they will be possessive about their duties and it often even extends to their workspace and their computer i mean i get a call about once a month from a dentist somewhere and and, and it starts with well, you know, my office manager was at lunch and somebody else sat at her desk and was doing something and the office manager came back and lost it. Mm. And, you know, what do you think? And 
often that's uh, that's that's somebody who's up to something. Um, lots of other behavioral manifestations. A lot of thieves will be very reluctant to take vacation because when they're gone, they can't control how information moves through the practice anymore. You know, some depending on the type of of stealing that's done, you may get a lot of patient complaints about their bills. Mm. Yeah. If the office manager who or or whoever is is stealing is there in the practice, typically those calls get routed to them and they can kind of deal with them. Mm-hmm. It, if the thief is gone for two weeks, then there's a possibility the doctor becomes aware that there are a lot of patients unhappy about their bills and and looks into it a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so th- those are some of the behaviors that you might see if somebody's stealing. Yeah, that's some really great information. I'm writing down some times in which we can kind of talk a little bit about because it, honestly, it's it's so it's such great information. Things to think about. Like I wouldn't, you don't think about like, oh, my my office manager just really loves it here. She never takes time off because she just loves to work here. You know what I mean? Um, and and that is, is a very scary thing. The one thing that, um, and I've talked about this before, is how, um, and I guess dentistry, would you say that dentistry is more susceptible to this particular form of embezzling? I just, and and maybe, maybe, maybe not, but I can just picture so many dentists in my mind just giving up the control of the back end of the practice to the office manager so that they can focus on the thing that they went to school to do, which is to fix teeth. Um, so I don't know, is dentistry more susceptible? Yes, and it is. And the reason you gave is one, I mean, I know a very few dentists who went into dentistry because they really wanted to be business owners. Right. <laughs> um, you know, for almost every dentist I'm, I've met, their true joy is, talking to patients, giving them beautiful smiles, you know, that unveiling moment when yes. the patient says, wow, <laughs> uh-huh. you know, that, that, that's what, that's what fuels their, um, their joy mm-hmm. and the running the business part, not so much. Um, y- you nailed it a second ago. A lot of dentists struggle with the difference between delegation and abdication mm. and delegation means I'm giving you a job to do and you're accountable back to me and I'm going to enforce that accountability. And abdication yeah. means I don't ever want to hear about this again. Um, you know, that's a that's a tough balance for a lot of dentists. There are other factors, though, too. Um, one thing that differentiates dentistry from most other businesses is the existence of a third party payer, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. which which really diminishes the amount of interest that patients have in what their dentistry costs. So let's use the extreme case of a patient who has dual insurance. Mm-hmm. which basically means dentistry is free. If you are that patient, you know, how much time do you spend looking at EOBs? Right. Yeah. Absolutely none. You know, I, uh, this doesn't cost me anything, so it doesn't matter what it, you know, I, I don't really take a lot of interest in what my insurance company's paid for my dentistry that was free to me. Mm-hmm. So third, third party payers really um, facilitate this as well. Right. Yeah. And, I'm, and, and just even adding in the time lag of when the insurance pays from when it hits the account to, you know, how much they pay, I can just see the multiple layers of opportunity for someone to take funds. Yeah. You know, when, when I started in 1989, um, dentistry was a much simpler business. 
Mm. Um, most dental practices didn't take credit cards. Uh, there was yeah. there was no such thing as an ACH transfer. And for the for the audience, ACH means automated clearinghouse, and that's when an insurance company puts money into the doctor's bank account. Mm -hmm. um, virtual credit cards, which are how some insurance companies want to pay, and by the way, is the stupidest way to get paid for dental work, um, didn't exist. You know, in, in those days, the payments came in by cash or check. The doctor typically carried the whole thing to the bank. And at the end of the day, you knew if you balanced or not. You yeah. knew if, if your collections equaled your deposit. Mm -hmm. uh, well, you can't know that anymore because of the time lag and from things like credit card payments. And, and even worse in a lot of cases are those ACH payments I mentioned. Mm -hmm. So again, this is where an insurance company deposits money to the doctor's bank account. And the, the, the timing sequence there is reversed. In other words, the money's in the account typically before the office gets the EOB that they need to, to post it to practice management software. Right. So you have you have a lot of things going on where there's either a, an, an advance payment or a deferred payment. And it makes it very tough for a poor dentist who's trying to sandwich this between patients to really know if they balanced at the end of today or not. Yeah. So we kind of got we got to what I this kind of it's, we're kind of going to meander a little bit because we're kind of at the point now where like, okay, well, what do we, how do we, like, what do we do? Like, what do dentists do? What are some kind of opportunities that they can do to, to fix this? Because many of them don't want to go back to 1989 or 90 and manually count their bills by themselves in their closets, right? Like what do they, what do they do so that people don't steal from them? <laughs> well, the, the, the first thing is that, um, day end balancing must be overseen. Oh. In other words, if, if, if I'm a dentist and I have an office manager and the office manager at the end of the day tells me that I, that, that today balance, um, if I just nod my head and go home, that's abdication. Mm. So it, it needs to be confirmed. Now that doesn't mean Katie, the dentist has to do it personally. There are lots of people out there like bookkeepers, um, Maybe you have a spouse who wants to do it. Maybe you have a child in college who's looking to earn some extra money who can uh, do the do the balancing for you, but it has to happen. If, mm. if, you, if you don't oversee the balancing, then the dumbest, laziest thief on the planet can successfully steal from you. Yeah. As soon as you oversee that, now, now it's back to what I said a few minutes ago. You need to make the practice management, the thief needs to make the practice management software lie about collections. And it can be done, but that's a little more challenging. And that instantly rules out the bottom quartile of thieves. Mm -hmm. Right. Because most people are just looking for a, an easy, an easy way to do it. Yeah. They're looking, they're looking for an easy way to do it. So yeah. if, if that oversight doesn't happen, you have opened the door to anybody stealing from you. Yeah. And that's probably best. I mean, I can just, I remember, gosh, my first job out of, out of high school, I worked at American Eagle. And when we closed the clothing store and when we closed up, both of us would have to count to the same, you know, about like there was two people. Right. And it's probably best practices. We just don't think about like, well, that's their job. And typically everyone's just trying to get out and there's one assistant that's there. And the office manager and the dentist and everybody's just doing their own thing so they can go home. 
Um, and everybody's in a hurry at the end of the day. And especially if, you know, you're, you're running a bit behind, um, then it's all, you know, it's very tempting to just kind of throw the whole thing in a drawer somewhere and say, I'll get at it later. Um, the, the second thing that a dentist needs to do is they need to do a little bit of vigilance to make sure that what has been entered into their practice management software is accurate. Hmm. Um, because you can do all the checking you want, but if it's against incorrect data, it's meaningless. So what that means is your software prints a report at the end of every day. It has different names and different software. It's a, a day sheet or a day end report or a summary report or something. Yeah. But there's a, there's a report for the end of each day that lists, here are your fees. Here are your payments that were received. And uh, here are the adjustments that were made. Mm-hmm. And every dentist needs to review that before they go home. In fact, I think what really should happen in an office is each producer should review their own report. So if you're a hygienist, mm-hmm. you you review what happened in your chair. Yeah. Uh, if you're an associate dentist, you review what happened in your chair. And if you're the practice owner, you look at your own work plus everybody else's. And yeah. You know, does it make sense? Did the co-pays that um, were co-pays collected today? Or did we let people walk out of here owing money? Mm-hmm. Because as soon as somebody walks out without without uh, paying their balance, collecting it becomes progressively harder and more expensive. Um, were people reappointed the way they were supposed to be? Um, you know, what what openings did we have and, and what effort did we make to fill them? I mean, there's some of it that goes a little beyond embezzlement, even in right. just running it, a good tight ship. But mm-hmm. um, I love know, the and, idea of having each provider look at those I, there. I, I, so as a hygienist, I was paid on collections. And yeah. because of that, I wanted to make sure that everything that I did that day got walked out correctly. Right. And I would look, look at that every day. So many times there would be something that either we, we, we charged the patient that we didn't end up doing, but it was on the schedule or it was opposite. Right. We had, we had not charged them. And so even just that, right. Even just getting paid what you, what you paid for, what you should do or what you did that day is, is incredibly helpful. Absolutely. And let's face it, the CDT codes are, are, pretty close together so the difference between a a two surface filling and a three surface filling is is one one digit in 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 one column of the cdt code and you know that can be a hundred dollars that just that just vanished into thin air because Mm -hmm. somebody entered a two service two Mm -hmm. service composite when you did a three yeah Uh, so there are there are lots of other reasons for looking at this but um you have to do that if if you kind of assume that what everybody and your staff of 12 recorded today was was correct and you don't at least take a cursory look at it mm-hmm. you know it, it it could be clerical errors it, it could be something more sinister right so yeah so those are the those are the first two steps the third thing i'll say uh which fortunately isn't something we have to do every day um but most dentists make hiring decisions with far less information than they probably should have Mm. And I'm going to give your audience kind of a chilling statistic. 70 million Americans. So that's one in four adults has a criminal record. Oh, my gosh. And yet most dentists hire people without checking to see if they're one of that 70 million. What? One in four adults? One in four adults. I'm just walking around in the world thinking 
everyone is is just great actually you know I don't know if you're a Malcolm Gladwell fan but I just listened to a book by him about like people just like leaning to trust anyway anybody you guys I'll 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 link the book if anybody wants to read it as honestly but but yes I am the same way I do the same thing I cannot believe that statistic to be clear, not every one of those criminal records would stop me from hiring somebody. Right. In other words, if somebody got arrested for marijuana possession 20 years ago when they were in college, mm-hmm. that's a criminal record. But, you know, yeah. in, in, in probably almost half the states, marijuana is legal now. And yet when they legalize marijuana in a state, they don't go back and expunge the criminal records of, right. of people who got caught before. So. That one probably wouldn't bother me. On the other hand, check fraud two years ago or, mm-hmm. you know, child molestation or something, that's an absolute showstopper. Yeah, right. So, um, and one thing I hear now, and we're we're recording this in, in 2000 and in, sorry, in 2022, when we're after kind of the great COVID retirement and <laughs> everybody's complaining that it's hard to find staff. And I, I hear Dennis say a lot through me, but, you know, I'll, I'll post something on Indeed and I'll only get two applications. So what's the point in doing any kind of screening? Mm. And what I tell them is a, a shortage in the workforce may cause you to compromise your standards. Mm. I understand that. But you still need to know by how much. Mm. In other words, I, I, I don't care how few uh, employees there are out there. You would never knowingly hire a child molester. Yeah, to work in your practice. And yet, unless you do that basic check, and there there are a lot more steps, Katie, to good hiring than doing a criminal records check. I'm really using that as yeah. an example of a of a bigger phenomenon. You know, we need to speak to former employers um, mm-hmm. at, for everybody who somebody's worked for for at least the past five years. We need to um, look at somebody's behavior on social media because that's a great way to learn about them and to, to find out how they conduct themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. One, one, one basic thing that, that most wouldn't occur to most dentists when you're interviewing somebody, check their identification. So um, before I hire you, Katie, I just need to see a photo, a government issued photo ID and two secondary pieces of identification. Because one of the truisms here is that we can, investigate the crap out of somebody but if we're investigating the wrong person it's pointless Mm, yeah uh and can people forge identification of course they can but most people who have a forged id won't also have the secondary by secondary id i mean things like uh library card gym membership credit card yeah um you know i'd I'd accept almost anything student card Mm -hmm. but very few people with forged id do the secondary stuff as well so even if you're prepared with a, with a fake driver's license. I'm probably still going to catch you when I do this. Yeah. What that is so fast that that's so fascinating and also very pertinent right now, because I, when we've been talking about the labor shortages for over a year now, um, I feel like, and a hundred percent people are, are changing their standards maybe of what they were willing to hire before. Yeah, and, of course. Yeah. And so those are really good, important things to think about. One thing I want to back up a little bit before, before I ask you this, this last question that I ask everyone and that comes onto the show is, um, I, I had the thought of, um, when we were going through and having each provider go through, um, and the adjustments is, um, 
is the miscellaneous adjustments. I think a lot of practices might have uh, a way for, you know, <laughs> someone to write off a, whatever, and they use a miscellaneous adjustment code. Um, uh, it just dawned on me that maybe that might be a really easy way for someone to, <laughs> to take money. I don't know if there's any other practices out there like mine that kind of use that were guilty of using that code at one point, but. Yeah. And you know, what you need to do as a practice owner is force your, first of all, have the proper setup in your practice management software and second, force your staff to use it. So um, we need specific adjustment categories that cover the various types of adjustments that we make. And when you when you start enumerating the adjustments you you could make, um, to me you you need a you need an adjustment code for each PPO that you're in. So you have an adjustment code for Delta, you have one for Humana, you have one for Cigna, mm -hmm. um, and so on. And the point of that is sooner or later every practice is faced with the same decision: do we uh, go out of network with somebody? And the only way you can really make that decision is to be able to corral the specific discounts for that plan. Mm. So you can't just have PPO adjustment. We need to, we need to break it down by insurance company. And then you have some other categories of adjustment. For example, you have what I would call the professional courtesy adjustment. So this is maybe um, you're treating the child of the orthodontist you refer to and you give them a break or the doctor's brother-in-law or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you have a, 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 a category of kind of friends and family discount. Um, and then the, the other category that makes sense is what I would broadly call service failures. So this is for the poor woman who, whose crown breaks three times mm -hmm. and she has mm -hmm. to keep coming back in for redo. Right. And, you know, by the third time around, you're, 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 you're giving her the crown and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll throw in some tooth whitening and, um, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe do your nails at the same time yeah, um, right. because you feel so bad. But again, you want to, you want to be able to isolate service failures because uh, that's obviously a place where somebody in the practice, you know, which might be the doctor, um, let somebody down and, and, you know, that's, that's something we want to, we want to isolate and talk yeah, about. Yeah, you can meeting. also isolate, um, like materials that you're using, right? You can go back through all your service failures and say, this is when we started using X, Y, Z resin or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So again, you want to segregate those from other adjustments. So then finally you have this miscellaneous category. And my rule is very simple. When there is miscellaneous adjustment, now whoever's making it needs to put a lot of detail in the notes mm. about why they're doing it and why it doesn't fit any other category. Um, because you're absolutely right. Those are the ones that where, where people tend to bury stuff. And as soon as you make them start documenting them, they mm -hmm. don't see that as nearly as much of an opportunity. I mean, if, yeah. if, if, you, if your practice has 150 miscellaneous adjustments this month, mm -hmm. it's easy for a thief to slide in a few extras. Right. Yeah. On the other hand, if your practice has four and they all have very extensive documentation about what happened, mm -hmm. the chance that somebody's going to try to slide one in there is pretty small. Yeah. So I think, I mean, what I take away from that conversation is your miscellaneous adjustments should really, there really should not be very many of them in a month. And when they are, they should be highly documented. Yeah. yeah. The doctor, the, and, and the doctor should make a habit when they see a miscellaneous adjustment come to across on the them. day sheet of going to the notes, reading them, making sure they understood what happened and that it makes sense to them. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, deciding whether they want to have a further conversation with the staff member. But in in my mind, if you set up the, you know, there's there's only a certain number of categories of adjustment. Right. And if you if you set up the proper categories and you use them, yeah, those miscellaneous things should really be kind of once in a blue moon. Far a few. Yeah. Great. Thank you for answering that question for me. I just, I had it ticking in my mind thinking, I wonder how many people do that because I know we, we, at one point were doing a lot more of that than we probably should have. So, um, all right. Well, we ask this question to every single person that comes on the get on the show because growth means something to different to everybody. And so what does growth in dentistry mean to you? I'm so excited to hear your answer from your perspective. Well, from my narrow, I, I'll, I'll give you two answers and I'll give you the, the narrow embezzlement perspective first. <laughs> um, and the embezzlement perspective is very simple. Doctors work very hard to increase their revenue, to make happy patients, to get positive reviews, um, to do good marketing, to have a great website, to treat people properly. Mm-hmm. I mean, those, those all take a lot of effort. And I, I really hate to see that effort wasted because money is flying out the back door through embezzlement. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's, it's, it's kind of like um, trying to pump up a bicycle tire that has a hole in it somewhere, you know, and you can yeah. pump really, really, really hard mm-hmm. and the tire never gets to where you want it to. Yeah. Uh, so that's the narrow perspective. Uh, from a broader perspective, I think the one question that I would like to see more dentists ask patients is to first hand them a mirror and ask the patient, is there anything about your smile that you'd like to change? Mm -hmm. And I know this has nothing to do with embezzlement, but it's a great question to ask. And whatever comes out of a patient's mouth next is probably going to make the doctor money. Yeah. And it's probably their most important thing. Sometimes that's such a great question. It's one that I think about often when I'm with the patient, you know, like what, do, I can tell you everything that's wrong with your mouth, but it's probably not the thing that you want to hear. <laughs> so like, yeah. what's your most, what's your priority? I love that question. Yeah. yeah. What, yeah. what would you like to change? Mm-hmm. Um, and let's move the conversation because a lot of dentistry is about restoration or prevention and the third place is of course improvement yeah so somebody says well i don't like my canines you know they stick out too far or yeah. whatever okay let's let's have a conversation about what we could do about that and yeah. um that, that's one thing i love it um, you know the other the other statement that that any doctor can go far with is if it were my mouth here's what i would do mm-hmm. for sure yeah. You know, or this is this is what I would want in my mouth. Um, you know, and that that has a lot of influence on patients. Yeah. I love those two com- as as an avid communicator, though I love those two questions. Yep, they're open-ended, amazing questions. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, David, it's been a pleasure to have you on. And for those of you that are are wanting to hear more, I highly recommend we have, I'll put this, put the link in our, in our show notes. We have an on-demand CE course. You can get two free CE credits and learn a ton more about, about this topic. I would highly, highly, highly recommend you, you go, go do that. Um, David, if they want to reach out to you at Prosperident, what can they, what, how can they do that? They can uh, either go to our website, which is www.prosperident, P-R-O-S-P-E-R-I-D-E-N-T.com. 
or they can call us at 888-398-2327. Okay, perfect. I'll make sure that those two things are also in our show notes. Thank you so much. Really, really appreciate it. It was a pleasure, Katie. Yep. This, all right. This has been Growth and Dentistry, a Dental Intelligence Podcast. I'm Katie Polson. Keep growing.